for the last time this year. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome back to F1 in Review and we are about to wrap up for the season in a week that's been quite topsy-turvy in, in terms of Formula 1 news. There hasn't been any racing but that doesn't mean there's been no action. Um, we had Max Verstappen and the rest of the gaggle uh, descend to the awards where we saw Max Verstappen take his world championship trophy which he's using up as as a uh, prop now propping up pictures in his little office and uh, Lewis Hamilton misplaced his trophy someone thought he was giving it to him and uh, that's now back I think with um, the Mercedes team where there's also rumors flying around about potential information sharing between Susie Wolf and you know, Toto Wolf and that sort of stuff, which turned out to be, I think, a lot of nonsense. So hold on, really, is what we say, because just because the season's over and we head into the, the off season doesn't necessarily mean there isn't something going on. However, we won't necessarily be talking about that today because it is for us a, a time for wrapping up, uh, to look back along the season and revisit some of our interesting predictions the the points we thought were going to be true at the beginning of the year now angus and i will be walking you through it for the next 25 30 minutes or so and i think we should start off with the predictions because now that every race is now completed we know what's happened it's time to to see how well our crystal balls turned out to be were they clear were they shiny or were they just muddy and off? So I think we're going to start with one of my predictions. And I think this was quite an, an obvious prediction going into it. But you never know in Formula 1. And my first prediction of the season was going to be Max Verstappen was going to win the season. And Red Bull was going to completely dominate it in both the constructors as well. So they get the constructors and the drivers. Now, clearly, Max Verstappen has dominated it in a way that... I didn't think was going to be possible. I, I did not see it going to be this dominant from Max and Perez. But let's give some credit to Sergio Perez because he did win some races. But Red Bull won all but one race. And I did, I did not see that one coming. Um, but Angus, I believe you joined me really in this prediction at the beginning of the season. Looking back, would you say that your prediction was not enough? I they did even better than you thought they were going to or did red bull do as well as you thought they were going to throughout the season i think they did as well as i thought i thought they'd consolidate what they'd done the year before bear in mind the previous year they won 17 out of 22 races you know an excellent amount so i guess they didn't have much room for maneuver in terms of going up from there 
and then this year they won 21 out of 22 races so they definitely improved i thought that they would win like comfortably but not dominate to be honest i think that we anticipated a little bit of a drop off especially with the wind tunnel punishment they had from the cost cap remember that that doesn't even feel like it's happened realistically because of the way they still steamrolled through the season but i think that that, that did have a little impact maybe at the start but then they just got more and more dominant as the year went on and it became more and more depressing in terms of thinking that nobody could catch up to them and nobody could end up being able to reel them in. So I think that we both I think we both nailed the prediction. I mean it wasn't the most spectacular out there prediction in the world to be able to predict that Max Verstappen and Red Bull would win the championships. We have to admit that. But we did nail it on the head. We didn't go rogue, we didn't say something odd like like Leclerc or Hamilton or Ferrari to win the world championship. So we at least got that right. The writing um, was on the wall at the beginning of the yes. season. Yeah. Yes, it was, exactly. And like I think maybe we harboured some hope that this could be the season where maybe <laughs> well, it's always next year. somebody closed in. Yeah, yeah, it's always this must have been what it must have been like during the um the Schumacher years, <laughs> you know. Oh maybe maybe next year. Maybe next Someone year. Someone else saw the you you had like a you'd always have a gaggle of teams. And this year we did have a gaggle of teams, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin, Mercedes, who kind of interchanged and had their different periods as the second team, didn't we? And mm. we were all in hope that they could all challenge and they all got close to Red Bull at various points but didn't quite have the final ingredient yeah. to to sort of take on the mantle. Will that be the case next year? Well, there's always next year, like we say. <laughs> is the, is, that's the basically you should have that on a brain on a t-shirt. Formula One fans, it's, well, there's always next year. I mean, I believe Ferrari have been saying that for uh, for many years now. The Ferrari fans, every year, it's oh maybe next year. But you spoke briefly then about the the Red Bull punishment, really, um, because they they broke the cost cap. Um, I think it was 2021 they broke the cost cap. So they were fined $7 million and they had 10% reduction in in aerodynamic testing from October 2022. So that period then, October 2022 to October 2023, was when they had a a reduction in um, wind tunnel testing. Now, clearly we're out of this, that that period. They have one, so they will have a reduced amount of um, wind tunnel testing time. Say that fast three times um in comparison to a team like Haas who have much lower um in the constructors table so they get more wind tunnel time to try and help them catch up um but now looking back on it and reflecting would you would you say that perhaps the punishment wasn't enough or was it that Red Bull were just so brilliant that whatever the punishment was going to be other teams were never going to get there I think that it would have taken a pretty spectacular punishment, wouldn't it, for Red Bull to be facing or suffering the consequences of of any of it? Because it seems that at the moment, I think honestly, we can I think we can reflect at the end of this year fairly that Red Bull have not only the best driver in the sport, but also the best car, but the best team. They have the best like operation, don't they? Yeah. Like their team print. Their team principal is still the youngest on the grid, but he's also the most experienced on the grid. They've got the best designer in Formula 1 history, Adrian Newey. Christian Horner, by the way, the team principal, for those wondering who I'm talking about. Their mechanics and their pit stop operations are top-notch. Their strategy um, engineers are the best in the paddock. And they also have the backing of a multi-conglomerate business. I mean, it's a it's a mix, really, that leaves other teams wanting and realistically puts mm. other teams on the back foot before even a wheel has been turned. So... 
I think we can reflect that it's a bit like when we had Mercedes with Toto Wolff at the helm and Lewis Hamilton as the driver and James Allison designing the car, James Vowles as chief of strategy, Nicky Lauda as your advisor. You know, you just have a complete operation which is in sync and is the best all-round package. So I think we can now reflect that whatever scenario Red Bull finds itself in yeah. that creates some sort of adversity, we can more than likely back them to come out of it, right? Absolutely. And you are completely right that often we focus too much on on the drivers and actually behind them is, is a wonderful team working as hard as they you know they can to get their team up until they put podium positions. And and from the Red Bull side, you talk about strategy. I feel like what James Vowles was to Mercedes, Hannah Schmitz is to to Red Bull. So Hannah Schmitz yes. is the um the principal strategy uh, engineer at, at Red Bull and they are sort of accredited to the success in 21, 22, 20 and 23 for Red Bull. Her calls are fantastic and having a a, a confident and let's face it often correct mind behind your team is as important as having a driver that's able to make good judgment calls because as much as as much as Perez and and Verstappen like to think that they are the ones that are able to take the the, the key decisions at the right moment, fundamentally, if they're not on the right tires and not on the right strategy, they're not able to see what the the holistic view of the race, then they won't be anywhere. And you can see that from the bad luck that I don't remember how Bottas had horrendous luck um, in 2021, and he had horrendous you know strategy tires were wrong you know they messed up he had the best car in the grid arguably and strategy was wrong and couldn't really get there and so you're absolutely right i think red bull not only do they have the best driver max Verstappen at the moment they also have this incredible team behind them the only thing that red bull are missing at the moment is that um ultra fast pit stop which i think mclaren uh, currently have the record for so you know there's always room for improvement but i must admit it is a well-oiled machine at red bull and certainly their brand is giving them wings um but as we move yeah. for, really from that early prediction to the um to some of our uh, uh, oh, should we say trickier predictions predictions that we thought yep. might be true might not be true i think i would like to start with yours angus if we can with your next prediction which was alonso was going to win a race and off the back of testing at the beginning of the year i think that was a really solid prediction and as you say um alonso was fighting for second place aston martin was up there they certainly set the 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 world alight at the beginning of the season in testing they were mixture of second place first place they had the pace they held on to second place for a long time until they unfortunately slipped back but i think the the best shot for the uh race win was at monaco when unfortunately mm. it started to rain they didn't put alonso on on the correct tire they put him onto some more slicks rather than intermediate tires he dropped back he had pit twice and he lost the lead of the race and i think that blew it looking back on on that prediction do you think there was any other times that um alonso was gonna win or was it just a case of any other year it would have been right but unfortunately red bull kind of you know, to, to quote Lando Norris, Max Verstappen ruined it. Yeah, I think you're right that any other year there was a possibility of 
a victory. The two, I think, most of the races were the fact that the car was just about quick enough for a podium. So Sao Paulo at the end of the season comes to mind, where do you remember that Titanic battle he had with Perez in the last few laps? He was clinging on for a podium, and then he masterminded his defence of that spot and managed to get it over the line. Just Bahrain, the opening race of the season, nowhere near Red Bull, but was good enough to get that podium. Same with Saudi Arabia as well. The ones that you're right in terms of a missed opportunity, I think that it's I think it's harsh to talk about Monaco as a missed opportunity, but in the one circuit where pole is so key and where Alonso looked absolutely on it all weekend, that it was that last lap, wasn't it, from Verstappen in qualifying, which prevented him from getting that pole position. If Alonso gets pole, yeah. his chance of winning that race increases tenfold. Yeah, so Max did that, that incredible lap. Do you remember it was it was it was yeah. yellow, yellow, and then somehow uh, that third sector in Monaco managed to get purple in, and and um, pip him to the um, to the, the front of the grid. Um, yeah, which was by I think it was it was a tenth, it was a tenth of a second. In, in the end. Yeah, ridiculously close. And I think that, to be honest, I look back and actually, if we talk about, because we, those predictions that we've, we're referencing now, right now are supposed to be bold predictions. And t- I don't think it necessarily was that bold of a prediction from myself. I'll admit, I'll hold my hands up to expect the team that was the second fastest in testing to win a race mm. uh, that year. <laughs> um, I will admit. But at the same time, based on where Aston Martin were, and the fact that last year they got like 70 points across the whole season, whilst this year they got 280. So quadrupling their points total was perhaps why it could have been seen as more of a bold prediction. But yes, I was sad that it didn't come true because I think we were all kind of, even as the different fans of the different teams that we are and other people are, we were all kind of rooting for Alonso, this man who somehow at the age of, what is he, 42, 43 next year, was somehow defying logic and fighting for these these top results. So it's sad that he didn't quite pull through and get a victory. But I think that he still we we I I won't mention it much more. But for him to get what was it eight nine podiums this year, absolutely remarkable and a stellar performance. And he nabbed that fourth place in the drivers' championship, didn't he, on count back from Leclerc in the last race. He didn't. Uh, despite the, he ca- he came fourth in the drivers championship despite being in the fifth fastest car in the season so if you if you were to get all those cars and put them in a row based on their pace he'd be eighth or ninth in the championship but he came fourth which shows how remarkably he outperformed the actual performance of the car but um yeah sadly my my bold my bold prediction did not come through your your prediction was bolder than mine i would say how did you get on yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this is something you've been listening to the podcast. Uh, we mentioned a couple of times. So my my bold prediction was going to be um, Williams was going to get P7. And I said it was because I thought that they were going to jump forward. But I also thought that the teams around them were going to fall back. And that was kind of mm. the performance. It wasn't necessarily Williams was going to get a massive performance increase. It was just everyone else falling backwards. I thought Haas, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri what I'm going to do as well. Um, I also, I also kind of thought that perhaps um, Williams ha- were going to be steered in the right direction by James Battles. And I would say that, I would say that I've, I've been correct through mostly luck rather than uh, anything else. So mm. don't listen to my advice on lottery numbers. What I would say is there's been a, a big shift this year in performance, which I think we were hoping for. 
Alpha Tauri fell off the cliff. They were the slowest car by miles. Haas are nowhere to be seen again after a great year last year. And Alfa Romeo, oh, as, as they are this year, but next year they're going to be steak, um, well, I, whatever it is, steak, um, Sauber. Uh, I'm sure we'll get the real name up for what Alfa Romeo will be um, while I'm talking, oh, yeah. Angus. I think you can find that for me. But base, essentially, they are under new management now and they've been stealing the right by James Vowles. And I don't think, by the way, this is going to be a prediction that lasts very long. I think next year, Williams is actually going to be more like eighth position. But I think things went in the right direction for Williams this year. Alex Albon has been absolutely stellar. He has had a really, really good year. Logan Sargent, I think, has been brought in too early. I think the team know that, but they're willing to develop him. And I think that's going to be great. But if they had two Albons, that sort of consistency, I think they could actually be really good. But they're not there yet. James Vowles has brought them in the right direction. They seem to be getting better strategy calls and there seems to be some upgrades within the the factory. James said that they were still not fully moved over to electronic analysis, looking at data in the same way as perhaps teams like Mercedes had been. And it kind of clues us into what's been going wrong with Williams, the lack of investment where it's needed. And so that right steering along with also the right call on the car the fact that they went for outright pace a straight line speed as opposed to high downforce has paid dividends it's allowed them to be really good when it mattered it, it, you know in places um in places like monza it, you know, it was needed in saudi arabia it's been kind of needed in those those areas where they've had such an advantage over everyone else um what I think they need to develop on is, right, they have the straight line pace, but they've also fallen off a cliff quite quickly. The Williams goes through its tyres quite hard because the lack of downforce means you're asking the tyres to work harder. And so if they get their car more efficient, I think that will put them in the right direction. But I think this year they were able to capitalise on the fact that AlphaTauri didn't do very well out the gates and just held on to seventh position with AlphaTauri coming in eight at 25 points. And, you know, it matters not what the what the points difference was. The fact is they held on to that position. I don't, however, think they're going to be in seventh place next year. But, you know, fingers crossed. I think I know what my bold prediction is going to be next year. But, but um, yeah, I, I hope I'm right again. So, yeah, Williams, do you think they did they exceed your expectations or, or meet it? Um, or, well, I don't know. I guess yeah. I know. I'm not willing to say that they didn't do as well as you hoped that, or thought they were going to. Yeah, I think that, uh, to be honest, the, the, how many points did they get last year? Seven or eight, was it? They didn't get very many. So I think that they exceeded my expectations. In the, not Yeah, eight. And not that I thought they'd do that level again, but I thought they'd probably increase a bit, but not up to 28 or 30, which was a lot, was quite a lot for them over the last few years. Bear in mind some of the awful years they've had in the recent past. And also, realistically, they made the most of their opportunities there was one time where Albon I think he was in the points in Australia and he remember he crashed out early on on about lap 10 or something and that was arguably a chance he qualified eighth and he crashed out on lap seven that was arguably a chance to get some more points especially think about how that race turned out with the chaos at the end he could have finished possibly well top five or six in that one 
But other than that, they made the most of their point opportunities and they managed to overtake the teams that you mentioned, the other ones going backwards. Alpha Tauri definitely gone backwards since Pierre Gasly left, for sure. He kind of held them up and helped them be as strong as they were. Alfa Romeo, I think, do you remember last year in Bahrain, the first race when Alfa Romeo, when Bottas qualified in like fifth ahead of both Mercedes in his first yeah, race we were at Mercedes. Like, oh, Bottas made the and, right call. <laughs> yeah, and we all said, oh, what a great decision. And they're actually pretty strong that first half of the season, but then they went on that run of win of like 12 races without a point or something ridiculous. And then in the end, they salvaged it right at the end. When I say salvaged, it meant, what I mean is that they managed to consolidate that sixth place right at the end. So they got a good result. And so Haas as well, kind of Haas had a lean few years and they're kind of still languishing near the bottom. So Williams managed to finish ahead of all of them. Realistically, that was the best they could do. So fair enough, an excellent prediction, I have to say. You must be thinking they're aiming for... Alpine next year that must be the next the next one even though Alpine also reportedly are um, in their own words completely renovating their car front to back so they've clearly decided to put this season in the in the past in the bin and hope for a, a lot better one for next year and to finally just to clarify uh, the very important the most important point from my little spiel here Salba's new name um, Stake F1 team Kick Salba why I I just I don't get it. Mate, that that makes it sound like the stake F one team is kicking Salba. Like what yeah. have Salba what have Salba done wrong? It's a bit confusing, isn't it? It's a bit long. Um, I think I mean it provides them an opportunity to uh, mock themselves. I'll read you a statement. They actually released a statement today. Um, it's Tuesday, nineteenth December. If you want to know when we're recording this, um, to to just discuss this because clearly it's created quite a lot of controversy on the social medias. Um, they say that it seems our recently released team name has been getting a lot of attention. That's yeah, it's true. It even featured on our podcast. While we're not ready to unveil the final result yet. We are aware of what's at stake. Ha ha ha, that's a joke. Rest assured, we're on a mission to unleash the most exciting team identity this team has ever seen. Gone are the days of the short and sweet. We're cooking up a feast. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I don't know what they were going to set up with, but you are right. It's a pretty poor name. I like Alfa Romeo. It's a nice name. It rolls off the tongue. It's got an association to a known brand. I don't even know what stake. What is stake? Stakes are. Is it gambling? Something. Like I think that. it is gambling. Yeah. yeah. Oh come on. Oh, we don't want that. We don't want the. No. no. Uh, not well. I mean, it's fine, but it's also a bit on the nose, isn't it? But um, I guess gambling now is what tobacco companies used to be in Formula One. It, you know, a lot of money and dark money gambling sort of grey area of of morality, <laughs> shall we say? It's, it goes with motorsport hand in hand because. I don't know why. Playboyism and sort of those classic uh, tropes of motorsports and, and wealthy people. Um, anyway, so I think I think um, we, we've covered the, sort of the bold predictions then. I, my last prediction, um, which I made at the beginning of the season, was actually odd enough to do with Haas. And I'd forgotten about this one. And I was I predicted that Magnussen was going to beat Hulkenberg. And looking at my reasons why it seems that mostly it's um, just a sort of prejudice thing. Um, I thought that Hulkenberg is pretty unlucky. He, as you know, has that unfortunate reputation of not actually being able to go onto the podium. Um, and I thought Magnussen was just going to 
wipe the floor with him because Magnussen has been in the Haas team for longer than than uh, than Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg hasn't tried this era of car, but you know I will hold my hands up and um, I was wrong. I was very much wrong, and I think Nico Hulkenberg has done better than than I thought he would. And it's now even rumoured that Magnussen is starting to look at exiting the sport and spending more time with his family and that sort of stuff, which, you know, it could be. So as we end the season, Nico Hulkenberg ended up getting nine points. Not bad. Um, Kevin Magnussen only getting three. It, it was, I think, closer than that. Uh, if you, these these points scores don't actually necessarily mean much, um, they were pretty much even on, on everything else through qualifying and, and pace. But, you know, it, it, certainly Nico Hulkenberg ended up um, holding his own. And so looking at the, the lineup that Haas currently have, um, because I don't think it's worth dwelling on which one's a better driver. I think they've both done very well this year. Do you think Haas were right to, to well, as so far as we know, it is confirmed, but I guess they could make last minute changes for next year. Do you think that Haas have the the right drivers to support them going forward and um as a driver pairing how would you rate them it's hard to rate the driver pairing because the standard of the driving on the grid i think i referenced it a few weeks ago about how the actual the level of the the general driver in the on the grid is actually very high at the moment in comparison to previous years you don't get as many you don't get as many ones who are treading water. Like we we joke about Logan Sargent and his level, but you don't get many Logan Sargents anymore. Like, do you remember the days of? Do you do you remember? This is a throwback. Do you remember when um, Manor had um, Will Stevens and Roberto Meri, or when uh, when Hispania had? Do you remember Narain Cartagena? <laughs> Uh, drivers like that we don't have any of them anymore you have actually all the drivers are good and have earned their spot we need some we need yeah. some we need some we need some rubbish back on the grid i mean if, even if you look back a little bit right i mean it, it wasn't it wasn't all glory a few a couple of years ago um yeah. uh, you know there was a bit of a joke wasn't it with with a mixture of uh lance stroll yuki sonoda um yeah even mick schumacher was he had a, he had his day you know he, he had a, he was a bit a bit poor yeah, yeah, Masbin's probably, Masbin's probably the last big throwback. So in 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 a previous era, I think that Magnussen Hulkenberg would be frowned upon less because actually there'd be a, a fair chunk of drivers who were worse. But then we'd be cursing our luck and saying, "How are these drivers in F one? They're all pay driver, Pastor Maldonado and all that." You <laughs> Nicholas know. Latifi. How are, yeah, how are these pay drivers in F one? Oh, this yeah. is frustrating. But now. Magnussen Hulkenberg, who would have been higher up in a previous era, are now probably lower down the pecking order because realistically, the quality of the grid is now very high in comparison to what came before. Yeah. Um, so as a pairing, they're actually they're actually not as good as you'd maybe think, but overall, they're still quite good realistically. Um, and I think it's what Haas maybe need at the moment because you may remember when they had Mick Schumacher. They then came to a conclusion from then that actually the best thing for that team, for them, was to bring in people who were more experienced. They would have preferred for there to be a more experienced core, of w- which is why they chose Hulkenberg instead of Magna- instead of uh, Schumacher for the, up- for the season that we've just had. And I think that's probably the way that they're going. So you sort of think, like, well, are they happy with their choice? Well, realistically... 
they were they are happy because I think they've made their bed. And and whilst part of me was about to sort of say, well, why don't they just throw their ring in the hat for some young whippersnapper from Formula Two? But realistically, I think they've gone down that route with Mick Schumacher, and they are less sure about it. Hence, why now they've got you know those two drivers in there who are Magnussen Hulkenberg combined age of what like seventy or something like that, or sixty five at least. So. Yeah, I think that it's probably the best driver pairing for them at the moment. But I do fear that with those two in the team, whilst they are very respectable drivers, they are more likely to tread water if they have those two. But then I appreciate the 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 possible downside versus the upside of bringing in a young driver. A young driver can go two ways. You could have a, they could they could discover an Oscar Piastri, or or like when Charles Leclerc first came into. Sauber in F1 2018 I think it was his first few races were pretty ropey and he was he was getting trounced by Marcus Ericsson and you're thinking god this is a little bit like we thought this guy's the F2 champion but then he turned it around he was absolutely immense for the second half of the year and got a promotion to Ferrari so that's the potential upside versus downside of when someone comes in and they are more like a, a Mick Schumacher like Haas discovered so I think Whilst not spectacular, they're probably the right driver pairing for Haas overall. I'd say. Yeah, I think so. I think it's pretty, a pretty optimistic look for for Haas keeping their um, solid and pretty dependable drivers. And yeah, I you know I I can't see Haas getting a podium anytime soon. Unfortunately, because it was nice, it would be nice if they they could. Um, but nonetheless, it's good that they they remain in the sport and good. That, you know they brought Nico Hulkenberg back in. I thought he was sort of undeservedly booted out. Renault, I think um, um, Cyril Abitabol, who was the team principal, um, if you go back to 2020, I think that's when he left. Um, sort of ejected Hulkenberg out, and and actually ended up being ejected by Renault himself. And I think he had a bit of a thing against Hulkenberg because, um, well, in an interview, he actually said that it was the crash in Germany when Hulkenberg had the opportunity for a podium that solidified his decision to get rid of him out of the sport but to be honest that Renault was dreadful in terms of reliability that year so you know Cyril um it's not all Nico's fault so we've we've sort of rattled through our predictions and I think we can hold our head up quite high really this year I think we've 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 done pretty well I think you were pretty bang on the money in terms of Alonso you didn't quite get there but got pretty close the Williams one pretty pretty good and of course we predicted Red Bull, we're going to do very well. I think next year we're going to have to divert a little bit. One of us is going to have to bite the bullet and uh, maybe predict that Red Bull isn't going to win. Um, I'm happy to do hmm. that. Um, or perhaps we can invent a third person who who um, will predict Red Bull, leaving us free to uh, to take our pick from the other lot. Although if you go for Haas, I will be slightly surprised. Um, so before we wrap up for the sort of final time of the year, I thought it might be quite nice to to pick a highlight or maybe a low light, depending on how you feel, um, from the season. What would you like to go for, Angus? Okay, so my highlight, I'm going to pick. There's, there's, I think there's still arguably quite a few moments to choose from in terms of, you know, that a lot happened in the season. Whilst it ended up being, not dull, but there ended up being lots of, like... Moments neutralised due to the the Stappen dominance, you know, and the fact that he won lots of different things. Um, 
one lots of different things. That's very a very simplistic way of saying that he dominated the sport. <laughs> Apologies. Um, I'm going to say it, but my highlight actually was I was pleasantly surprised surprised by how entertaining Las Vegas was hmm. and how That's actually it was a very yeah it was a very good race. Lots went on, lots of excellent racing in that one, despite the fact that realistically we were panning the track and saying oh this is all for show yeah and it's re- and it's not going to end up being anything other than just something hollywood-esque but in the end it was a very very good race and i have to say i can't complain with how it ended up and i look for- actually look forward to las vegas happening again in the future yeah. um so that was my highlight i think my low to be honest my low light was and it's, it goes against my uh, my core values because actually I do appreciate the, dom- the uh, I've said before I appreciate as a sports fan someone who's just on uh, the absolute top of their game and someone who is at one with their profession is able to just be in harmony and dominate something. But to be honest, Verstappen's dominance did get boring by the end. In terms of like you just always knew that he was going to win and it was not even it was not even like a possibility that he wasn't so i think that that's probably my low light just the fact that can we have my one wish for santa for christmas in terms of formula one will (laughs) be can we dear santa please can we have less dominance in formula one next year there we go so that would be my low light probably but it's it's, i I wouldn't say it's it's not a low light in terms of like like obviously full credit to Verstappen and how like he did an unbelievable job of maintaining that mm. throughout the year but yeah wouldn't mind if it was a, if there was a little less dominance that would be nice those that, that very good and i i agree i will also uh, send a letter to santa please <laughs> please <laughs> but let's let's make it um slightly less domination um now sort of on the same theme of that my highlight this year was without a doubt science's win in singapore because it had everything i liked it had a nail biting end to the race we had carlos science pulling out one hell of a strategy working together with his old friend lando norris to pull both of um well both of them forward and allowing mclaren to get the second place on the podium and carlos science to obviously take that win we had a surprise crash out from George Russell, allowing Hamilton to take that place. It had everything you wanted, a, a huge fight. And unfortunately, this was at the cost of Verstappen not being around. But it was without a doubt one of the best races of the year. I think a race that I could go back and watch again. Yeah, it was a really good weekend. I loved it. Really, really good. It gave us a taster, I think, of what it could have been. the season could have been like without a complete dominance from Verstappen. So next year, I'd like more of that. Red Bull to be in there as well, but just not so totally dominant that it doesn't give anyone else a fighting chance. On the flip side, low light. For me, there was one standout moment that really made me question the sport. And oddly enough, there's a theme here. Carlos Sainz's penalty in Las Vegas, when he got, well, I was going to say got hit by the drain cover. That's not quite right. That he ran over the drain cover that was loose and it hit the bottom of his car and destroyed it. And this was a really difficult moment for the sport because the F1 steward said that they went through the rule book trying to find any reason why they 
wouldn't have to give them a penalty for changing the core components of the car. And they couldn't find one. And they had to give him a penalty. They even said they didn't want to. They had to give it to him. And I felt like that was a real moment for the sport to look at the rules again and say, right, we've got to have mitigating circumstances. If the teams can prove there are mitigating circumstances, for example, not his fault, then, uh, yeah, they, then he doesn't get a penalty. And it's just, you know, move it forward in whatever way from that point. You know, his previous fastest lap would be counted again, you know, for, for qualifying. And um, this isn't the first time this happened. We've had times like this before when you thought, right, it wasn't his fault. You shouldn't have to get penalty, but we haven't changed it. And I think they need to change it going forward. So, yeah, I think um, that was the real low light for me. Uh, a pointing out of a deficiency in the rules. And at the end of the day, this is Formula One. It's called Formula One because the, the sport itself is a formula. It's a formula of constraints and rules. And as much as those rules are fixed, they are also ever evolving. And the fact that we haven't addressed this yet is something we need to look at. And I would like this to be addressed for, for going forward because we don't want to see that again, especially if we're racing at street tracks, because anything can happen. You know, a loose plastic bag thrown in by the crowd could be sucked into an air duct and cause damage. You know, these are these are real things that happen in areas with high population density and you know are living around them. Racetracks don't necessarily have built up you know, populations around them, with the exception of places like Interlagos in Brazil. So that's what I would like to change. Absolutely. I can't disagree with that. So for the last time this year, thank you very much for listening if you got to this point. I do hope you enjoyed this season of F1 in Review. We've certainly loved delivering it. It is a bit of a project for us, something to do um, in between work and, and our other hobbies. And so if you've, if you've listened to one, ten, or even all 38 of this season's F1 in Review episodes, thank you very much. That does, of course, mean you've got many many hours to replay if you fancy it over the over the down season <laughs> you can watch back i don't know monza and think wow i wonder what the lads thought of that and we will have an episode that will cover that race so there's plenty to listen to if you've got formula one tv you can go back and watch old races uh off the top of my head i would recommend the 2020 turkish grand prix 2019 and 2018 german grand prix um there you go as a little recommendation to get you started yeah. off there and there's of course if you haven't seen it there is the um brawn f1 um, documentary and we will look forward to the next series of Drive to Five coming out later on. We will be taking a break now until we return in February next year. Um, a bit of a long way away but I'll tell you the dates nonetheless. So um, F1 pre-season testing starts in Bahrain on uh, February the 21st and I believe Ferrari have already announced when their livery is going to be announced. Um, it's going to, well, or it's going to be shown off. It's going to be February 13th, off the top of my head. So look out for that over yeah. the um, coming weeks because we'll, we'll be away for a couple of months, but there's plenty to still entertain you. So from myself and Angus, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this year. Listen out for us in 2024. Do follow us on all your favourite podcast platforms and, of course, on X formerly Twitter, as well as TikToks, where we'll be posting shorts and various other things um, when we are back. So, thank you very much for listening, and Merry Christmas, and have a wonderful holiday period. See you in the new year. <laughs>